What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Flight Deck Podcast. I'm your host. Rocking with me as always, we got the two main crew going on here. The goose to my maverick, the slider to my Iceman, Matthew Freeze. What up? What up? What's going on? We got a lot to talk about, a lot to preview for the upcoming game. Uh, excited to get into it. Yeah, for sure, man. It, it's, um, you know, actually, I, you know, let's talk about this. How are you feeling after our little vent session? The recaps have, have, have me feeling pretty good because I feel like I get to get it off my chest. I get the stench of last week off of me. And uh, now I can look into this. Um, I can look into this week with, with my condescending and um, damaged Jets eyes. Oh, yeah. No, this is this is like when you finally get over that ex-girlfriend that left like a scar on you, like a like a mental scar on you. You finally get over it, except like light speed. So now after that event session, I feel good. I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to be hurt again. But that's life. And that's ultimately what happens to, to most people. God bless the people that have one and done one and done relationships. But uh, I'll be honest with you. I haven't. And especially not with the Jets. Exactly. I mean, shout out to all the Jets fans out there, us included, man, because it is hard to watch. I was watching the I was watching a game with my girl and and I looked over at her. She was like, this is bad. I was like, I know. Why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep doing this to myself? I must be a glutton for punishment. Kind of dumb, even though I kind of <laughs> consider myself a uh, level headed and and dare I say intelligent fan. But here I am supporting a team that's probably only going to win two games. And four games across two seasons, yeah, which is hard to do. There, huh? I know, Being I know, I know. I'm just, uh, I, I don't know. And actually, with this week, this could be a game that the Jets could sneak away and win if we're really thinking about it. Because the first place Titans are coming into town, and this could be a game. And it, honestly, it looks like they're putting on this game, man. Because we're, we're going to get into it. There's a bunch of people injured. Um, on both sides, and there's players coming back. But let's jump right into it. So Marcus May, all right, one of the bright spots on this team, one of our favorite players. Uh, he has a foot injury, and he's going to miss two up to four weeks. And Elijah Moore, who I've been super critical of, but he is an offensive weapon. He has a concussion. Uh, he uh, That was a cherry on top of the um, ass cake that the Broncos handed out to the Jets last week. And... Yeah, man, it's not <laughs> it's, it's it's not looking good, man. Uh, and to make matters even worse, Marcus May's agent decided to say that he's going to recover just in time for the trade deadline. Oh my! Now, God. I know how I feel about that, Matt. How do you feel? How does that make you feel? I hate his agent. I really do. Like, like I actually tweeted at him because I'm like, this guy's just he's a he's a jerk for lack of better. You know, I don't want to use flagrant language, even though I have. No, he's a jerk. And and if we're being honest, I think it was a two to four week. You know his agent's going to be pushing for that four-week timetable. He's not going to want him to come back a minute sooner. And the one thing also is that, I mean, if he does come back for whatever reason, we have a bye week mixed in there, I believe. So yes. it's really, you know, it's a net three-game loss instead of a net, you know, four-game loss, which is nice. But his agent just – yeah, even all offseason, like, I get it. You want to get your guy paid. And and us on this podcast have been pushing for Marcus May to get paid. And, and and that's just what it is. We thought he should have got paid last year when he could have been had for, you know, $10 million, $11 million a year. But now here we are. Uh, I don't want to say that anyone's faking an injury or anything, but where did this injury come from? I didn't hear. He didn't get taken off the field during the game. I didn't hear. Nothing was reported in practice. It just came up. 
So I I don't really know. And and to be quite honest with you, I, I wouldn't be shocked if this was some sort of phantom injury where it's just like, hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take that four weeks. I'm going to sit out and then hopefully get traded. And it's it's tough. It's it sucks because he's the leader of your, your team and you got people. Well, he was a leader. Of your team. He's not named a captain this year. And you got people saying this is probably why. I don't want I'm never going to I'm not in Marcus May's body, but to this guy that we know, remember the big knock on him was his durability. And that's why it was such a big thing for him to play all 16 games last year. Marcus May doesn't strike me as a guy that would fake an injury. He's a football guy. He plays hard all the time. I mean, listen, he was playing hard when the Jets were Owen. They made it all the way up to Owen 10, correct? Or, or yes, yeah, something close like that. And he was still playing hard. He was playing hard in that Rams game. So I don't, I don't think, and I, and I, you know, and I don't want to believe that Marcus May is faking an injury. This is what agents do. But at some point, you have to talk to your agent. You got to step in and say, "Listen, what the hell are we doing?" Just, just kind of like the, remember when Revis agents were were going crazy, and then Revis said, "All right, like you know, it's time to get it done." Or even when Sam, when his agents were holding out, or, or due to the offset language, he was like, "Hey, listen, I'm trying to get into camp." At some point, you have to take your career into your own hands because when he speaks, sometimes he, he is he is your representation. So in turn, he is representing you. So I think that Marcus May probably should have said, like, hey, man, listen, that, that that's not good. That's not the message that I'm trying to put out. And I don't think that Marcus May would do that. And to go back to the captain thing, this is an entirely new team for the most part. I mean, Marcus May probably did get some votes. He probably got some votes from Foley. JFM and the guys that were there last year, but there's so many new guys on this team that they, you know, Marcus Mays is probably one, like one of the guys. So I, I, I pray and I hope that it's not a uh, that he's faking the injury. And I know that he didn't get taken off the field. I, I just think that it's something that just probably got reaggravated. You know how it is when you're playing and your your adrenaline's pumping, and then you wake up Sunday or you wake up Monday and you're like, holy hell, I'm sore as hell. And, you know, listen, maybe his foot could have swelled up on on the flight back home. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want – like, I'm not – that's not – I don't want it to make it seem like I'm insinuating that that's what he's doing. No, I, I, really, I really truly don't believe that. But, so when I, you know, of course, Twitter is the place for, you know, quick, fast news and stuff like that. I originally saw that he was injured, right? We Like, we all did. And we were like, oh, crap, you know, he's injured. This sucks. Then for your agent to come out and, like, kind of – it's kind of like a, a winky face, right? Like – Oh, it's, you know, he's injured. Ha ha. Great. Just in time though, he'll be back to be traded. So it's like, you can kind of understand. It looks bad. Yeah. And you can understand the speculation of it, but I mean, again, do I think it's true? No, I don't think that he would intentionally do it. He's a leader. He's been a leader of men and he's been a consummate pro for the most part of his career with the jets, but it's definitely doesn't look good for you as the player. When your agent is saying stupid stuff like that, when you especially want to get paid. And it's just like, I mean, I don't know. I'm hoping that's not the case, but that's kind of what his agent, you know, made it look like. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the other big injury, Elijah Moore. Now, Elijah Moore hasn't been what we've hoped, and he hasn't been what Connor Hughes, <laughs> what Connor Hughes and everybody else is bragging about this this offseason. How much of a loss is Elijah Moore? Uh I don't think you can really put a, a an amount, so to speak, on it because I don't think we've seen the offense 
going at like full capacity. I mean, we obviously haven't seen it. So how can you value a player that's only played three professional games? Same way we can't draw conclusions on Zach Wilson's career after three games. We haven't seen the offense do anything. We scored zero point grand total of zero point twenty points in our first three games. Or was it twenty or, or yeah, twenty points in our first points. three games. So uh, I wouldn't say it's a massive loss, but I also wouldn't say it isn't a massive loss because we don't know. I mean, Elijah Moore is yet to have that big game. Has he had, I think he's had a handful of catches in the games, nothing, you know, game breaking or anything like that. I mean, we can all remember just last week or two weeks ago against the Patriots. If Zach would have just let him, he would have had an 80 yard touchdown pass. Yeah. He only and has, he yeah, he's only been targeted eight, 18 times, which isn't bad. Six targets a game, but he only has eight receptions for 66 yards. Yeah. So it's like, and, and we saw on a handful of plays where Zach should have hit him in stride or hit him on the check down or something like that. So I can't say it's a big loss. I can't say it's not a big loss. I mean, it's just a loss at this point because we don't score points, period. So if he's not he, he's not going to make or break if we score points. So that that's kind of how I look at it. And obviously, I want him on the field because I I believe in Elijah Moore as as I hope you know the fan base does. But again, you know, being healthy and, and being available is the most important thing in the NFL. And obviously, he's not in control of the concussion issue, but. I mean, I, I guess we'll see, but I don't think I'll be able to watch this game and then be like, oh, well, if Elijah Moore was in, we would have done this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that, that's just kind of how I feel. I, I hope he maybe he'll find a way to play, but I don't even know if he's cleared concussion protocol. Yeah, he was. Uh, he, he didn't practice. He hasn't practiced at all. We're, we're recording Thursday night before the game, and he hasn't practiced at all this week, and he's doubtful, so he's probably not playing. Um, you're right. The thing that really bothers me about this, about the Jets sometimes, and, and it's no fault of anyone else's, it just seems like nothing ever like clicks whenever you want it to. Like the Jets, we finally get a pass rusher. He tears his Achilles. We finally get a safety to pair with Marcus May and the Marcus Jordan. He's out for the year. You get what I'm saying? Like, like it's just, you know, we, we finally want Makai Becton to take a step. He's out for half the year. It's like it just never lines up. Jamison Crowder comes back, who we're going to get into next, comes back, Elijah Moore's out. So it's like you can't even fully, you can't even fully evaluate the offense or the team because they're never at full strength. So it's not even like, and, and I'm sure, I'm sure when the floor was game plan, I'm sure when Jeff Olberg, who's done a phenomenal job, Olberg, uh, we can get touch on that later too. I'm sure when they're evaluating and, and they're uh, game planning, they, they were planning to have some of these guys in here performing at, at their full potential. And they haven't been able to do that. So I, I'm not, I'm not really sure, but like, again, I've been super critical of Elijah Moore. And I think that's just because everyone's just all the hype and all the unnecessary videos and everybody just like, just the expectations were so high. So I was just expecting more, but Elijah, Elijah Moore has been really been looking like a rookie. He's been running the wrong routes. He's been breaking off his hitches too early. I mean, well, too late. That's why Zach, it looks like a miscommunication that uh, we don't know who, we don't know who it's uh, the miscommunication has been on like that third. And uh, I think it was the third and nine and Zach threw it short and we're saying that, he, that he's not stepping into it. Maybe Elijah Moore is supposed to break that route off earlier. And remember, he wasn't there for those three weeks and he wasn't getting those reps. So I, I I would hope that Zach knows where that route is supposed to be. So Elijah Moore has some has some catching up to do as well, too. So I, I don't know how large I don't know how large of a, um, you know, of a, of a negative that's going to be or how much that's going to affect the offense. But I do know with this guy coming back, Jamison Crowder, that hopefully there's some familiarity again, because I think he's one of the best slot receivers in the league again I think that this 
actually, I think that when Crowder comes back, I think that it's going to help. It's going to help a lot because Moore wasn't even playing in the slots. So now you're telling me that Braxton Berrios is not going to get as many snaps. So um, Jameson Crowder is he's on track to play this week. He's been practicing and which is which is a welcome sight. Uh, how, how big of an impact do you think Crowder is going to have? Uh again, uh, he, he hasn't been on the field. I don't know what he's going to look like in this offense, but if he's anything reminiscent of what he's, you know, the consistency he's been putting up the last couple of years with, with Sam, I think that he's, it's, it's a nice safety blanket for Zach to find, you know, on, and again, Crowder gets quick separation. And what is, what have they been harping on all week? Is that get the ball out of your hands, get the ball out of your hands, get the ball out of your hands. So I'm going to be looking at LaFleur again, to call these quick, you know, underneath routes, slants, whatever the hell it is to, to get the ball out of Zach's hands fast. But Crowder excels at that. He excels at the, the, the bubble screens, the underneath routes, the, you know, the not over the top stuff. And I think that's going to be a big benefit to Zach. And, and you said it already, Elijah Moore wasn't playing in the slot. So they weren't really, you know, utilizing the slot except for Barrios, who seems to only excel at, you know, returning kicks and punts. So I think Crowder could have a big impact. And I think that we saw, you know, Sam's rookie year also, where it's like there is that familiarity and comfortability in having that veteran guy that you can rely on to catch the ball. And I think Jameson Crowder is that. Now, do I think, again, can I make a determination on how big of an impact it's going to be? No, because obviously the game hasn't been played yet and he hasn't played at all. We don't, we don't know. For all we know, he can go out looking like Elijah Moore because this is a new offense to Jameson Crowder also. So we don't really know. And I mean, it, it sucks, but I think J- Jameson Crowder probably in the in the meantime has been studying his playbook, you know, running through whatever, you know, whatever game plans and stuff like that they give him. So I'm sure he's going to be prepared as hell because he always is. But do I, I? We haven't seen anything in the first three weeks of the game, so it's hard to determine what impact he's going to have. The only impact that I know he will have is he'll he'll get open and he'll catch the ball. But how often will Zach find him? Uh, it remains to be seen. Do you think that Zach will have faith in him just because he is a veteran and he's had success? Because remember, Jameson Crowder, man, he was the best. He was the best receiver that the Jets have. Now, granted, that's not saying much because they haven't had pr- really good receivers. But he was Sam's go-to. So maybe, may like, yeah, listen, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be positive about this. Maybe Zach isn't. Maybe Zach trusts him and he's not just staring down Corey Davis because. Crowder, listen, Crowder was putting up numbers. He's put up numbers since he's been here when he's on the field. I think I think he's going to trust Crowder more simply because he can't really trust Corey Davis, which sucks to say because Corey Davis has let him down quite a few times this year already, and we're three games in. More than a few. More than a few. I would say minimum five drop passes, I believe, that okay. were perfectly catchable, one resulting in a pick, one that re- should have resulted in us being on the, what, 15, 10-yard line last week? Yes, sir. So uh, it, it's going to be nice because at least may, if Zach feels comfortable with, with Crowder, at least it gives him another option that he feels comfortable with. And I, that's not to say he can't build rapport with with Elijah Moore or Keelan Cole or, or whatever, but it's just like maybe he'll just stop staring down Corey Davis because clearly he can't trust them. I mean, it, it – it sucks to say, but you're paying Corey Davis $12 million to be your quote unquote number one, which we all agree. He was never really a number one, but he was yeah. the number one for this team. Yeah. You know? So, but yeah, I just think having Crowder, they're having someone that you I, has been in the league catches 60 balls, 65 balls a year. Yeah. I, I think Zach's going to have trust in him. Now am I scared that he's just going to switch from Corey Davis to, 
to Crowder and staring him down the whole game? Yeah, I am, because he hasn't really given me reason to believe that, well, this isn't really his fault because he hasn't had a lot of time in the pocket, but it's cause for concern that he's just going to switch to staring down Crowder because Crowder gets open faster. But what about the play Crowder doesn't get open? Then it, does he still trust Corey Davis to go up and make that grab? Is he even going to have time to switch from, you know, read one to read three? Who knows? But, I mean, listen, the more weapons that Zach feels comfortable throwing the ball, the, the better. And I, I think it's kind of clear that the rookies have been playing like, or at least the top three picks have been playing like rookies as they are. So getting that veteran presence in, in Crowder back and having two guys that, again, we agree one of them has let him down more often than not, but two guys that he might be able to trust, hey, it, it, it's something, I guess, but I don't know. With, with Jeff Smith being out possibly due to the car crash that he got into, um, if I said that this week might be the best starting receiver uh, tandem or trio, if they started, if you do Mims or Cole, you do Crowder in the slot, and then Davis at the at the other at the at the X. Would you say that? I'm sorry, the Z. Would you say that that would be the best group starting group that they've isn't had that so far? We, isn't that what we thought was going to be the group to begin the year? I, listen, that, that's what I that's what I projected. We all thought it was going to be Cole Davis and Crowder to begin the year, and then and and we said at the beginning of the year we were like, okay, well we're going to be looking for Denzel to fight for that number two. And hopefully develop into a number one in a, you know, like the same way Corey Davis kind of did quote unquote, where yeah. he got better progressively every year. Like that's what we were hoping for. And, and preseason, we were all saying, okay, Denzel Mims looks solid. We're going to, he's going to have to be the number two. Cause you pay. Corey Davis all that money. Yeah. That, that's yeah, what right I was here. saying. We were just saying that if he could at least develop a niche as a, as a red zone threat or just, you know, just get some 50, 50 balls, we'd be totally happy with that. So I think this week, um, I, I don't, to be honest, I'm not even sure if Mims is going to dress, but I think Cole Crowder and Davis, I think hopefully these guys can win, you know, we'll get into matchups later, but I, I think that they, there might be some, there might be some opportunities for them to win. So, um, rest of the guys coming back, Sherrod Neesman, both safeties are coming back. So just lose one safety, but they pick up two more, uh, Sherrod Neesman is coming back and third round pick from 2020. Ashton Davis, who I've been super critical about too, because I just can't stand when guys don't stay healthy and guys that were injured in college and they become injured in the NFL. So Ashton Davis is back. Jeff Holbrook said that those two will be in a reserve role. Um, what do you expect from Ashton Davis? Uh, not much. Cause I feel like we haven't seen much on the field at all period. Cause he's always hurt anyway. So yeah. And I feel like he much. hasn't played. He hasn't played since I don't even think Last he's got here. Yeah. Like, Mid mid last year, something like that. It feels like was he on the field? He was on the field for mini camps and OTAs, but he barely practiced in training yeah. camp. Correct? Yeah. Yes. I mean, we can't really even expect much. And Oberg didn't even say that he would be in the starting lineup. So, I mean, it's good that he's back. I know that he's good on special teams, but I, I don't even know. I don't even know what to expect from Ashton Davis because sometimes I thought he was going to play the nickel. I don't know if, if they're going to use him in the as a free safety or strong safety, but maybe with more uh, May being out, this will be a good evaluation period for them. Now, Colbert is the strong safety, correct? I believe so. I believe and so. And I think we all kind of agree that he's kind of been playing pretty well for the role that, that they, they're putting him in. They're put, I think they're putting him at the line, closer to the line of scrimmage, you know, yeah. nine coverage, one-on-one coverage too often, not really going against the tight ends too often. But they're putting him down to the line of scrimmage. He's doing a hell of a job stopping the run, or, or at least you know setting the edge, quote unquote, you know, as a safety, whatever. Yeah, the alleys, yeah. So I w- I would think that Ashton Davis just slides to the free safety and you just let him roam because I think that 
you know, when they last year, they were putting Marcus May closer to the line of scrimmage. So it would kind of just makes sense. If Ashton had been playing, he probably would have been playing the free safety, you know, with air quotes, because Marcus May was playing essentially what Jamal Adams was doing when he was here, where he was playing closer to the line of scrimmage. So, I mean, I think that's what you have to do. Now, I can't tell you what they're going to do because, I mean, first of all, it's going to be a limited role for both of them or at least one of them. So it, it's not going to be much. But I'll tell you one thing I won't do is I'm not chugging them out there on special teams. You're just asking for a, a reoccurrence of an issue uh, of an injury. So I'm not doing that. I'll, I'll put them on the field for 20 defensive snaps, 25, ease them back into the game, whatever it is, and, and call it a day because, yeah, it's tough because he gets hurt so consistently and you don't want to you don't want to exacerbate that problem any any further so just give them give them you know 15 20 plays call it a day because i don't really think that if it, it, and we're going to get into the the titans injuries but if two of their starting wide receivers aren't going to be playing you know you you might have an easier day as a free safety yeah and you definitely want somebody in there that's going to tackle um i honestly think they might because they've been experimenting with this too and they said and they loved his versatility Michael Carter II may get some free safety snaps as well, too, because right now uh, Gerard Wilson is the starting free safety. And to be honest, I don't, I don't I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't, I remember he has a couple tackles. I don't, I don't remember him playing that much uh, on, on Sunday. So yeah, man, it's, it's going to be thin, but, and, and that's another reason why this year is frustrating too, because they're playing bad, but the young guys aren't even getting experience. Like, like it's honestly, man, I'd be okay if it was 0-3 and I'm, and I'm seeing Becton out there taking his lumps, Zuniga out there, Mims out there learning and all these other guys are learning. But you're losing these games and these guys aren't even getting experience. These guys aren't even getting snaps. Like, like what's going on? The only, the only positions that are gaining, like, experience are the young D linemen, who we love, and at least we've been right about that, and those young DBs. So maybe we wrong, um, and we were wrong about it. Listen, I was completely wrong for those, you know, watching and, and can't for those listening and can't hear us. I have my hand raised because I was completely wrong about the young DBs. I've been thoroughly impressed by that. And we're going to get into that during the bye week. But yeah, I, I don't know, man. Maybe Michael Carter plays some free safety. Um, I've been thoroughly impressed with Michael Carter and, and Brandon Eccles. So that'll be good. But um, so the Titans, man, they're, they're injured. Titans are banged up. Uh, so this, this is going to be a pretty long uh, injury list. Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, Bud Dupree, uh, Roger Sapple, all injured and uh, all questionable. Uh, Tier Tart, their starting nose tackle. Laurel Merchantson, questionable. <laughs> so uh, if, the, if the Jets were going to win a game, this is the game to do it. And I think those injuries alone are, are huge. Uh, for the Jets, who everyone thinks has the weakest DBs, uh, probably across football, not having those two stud wide receivers, even though if, if, if I had to bet money, I think one of them are going to play. But some of them, but some of the time I'm thinking, the other half of me is thinking, they, they probably think that they can beat the Jets without those guys. So if you could, well, that's what that's what everyone thinks. Yeah, that, yeah, and that's how everyone's feeling. I mean, after these first couple of weeks, how could you blame them? Um, those guys being out, does that give you any more confidence? Uh, their whole team could not show up, and I wouldn't have confidence. And I don't mean that to be condescending as a Jets fan, but that's just kind of how I feel, you know, through three weeks. And I, if I'm being honest, 
the only saving grace of this team, the only thing that you know helped us last week in the first two weeks from getting massacred was the defense because you know the defense is going to show up. So no, I don't think any of those players not being being there gives me any you know solace. Not only because you know we're, right now we don't look we look lost offensively, but also because they got Derrick Henry, and I I don't it, it wouldn't matter if Derrick Henry was running behind no offensive line. He would still find a way to get a thousand yards a year, if not more. He's leading so, the league in rushing. What else? But what else is new, right? Yeah, I like, mean, I, I know because he's on my fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, what else is new? So I, I think that you know, first and foremost, question for you is which one of the two wide receivers would you prefer to not play if you had a choice? Because I, I, I think it's like honestly, I, I would probably say AJ Brown just because he the, the slot is just. He's just an animal. Yeah, like, I, I, I mean it's tough. Julio has more yards than him, uh, but AJ is AJ's more dynamic. Julio isn't the Julio that you know. Julio's that, that, gonna that, catch the deep ball. Yeah, exactly. But not gonna yeah. take it from a five yard to a thirty-five yard, you know, reception. That's true. That's true. But AJ could go off for eight receptions and one hundred and fifty yards, and he he's yeah. he is just a big play. Um, you're right. And Julio does have a propensity to not getting the end zone. So maybe I would take Julio at this point in his career because maybe you could bracket him off and then you could just worry about leaving the other corner uh, zoned up or, or manned up with Eccles or, you know, maybe Bryce Hall can neutralize Julio to some extent. But I think the main the main thing they have to do is stop the run. Tannehill doesn't Tannehill doesn't doesn't scare me at all. And I, I know that he's been better post Gase. He doesn't scare me at all. That that team. That team, you know, lives and dies with King Henry. So if they're able to stop him, then I think that's going to be okay. But I will say with these injuries out, with uh, Saffold out, if, you, if you're telling me that Quentin Williams and Rankins and Foley are going against uh, the number two guard, uh, I, I take that matchup all day, every day. Yeah, no, I, I agree. But I, I think when we, uh, I don't know when you want to get into the, the favorable matchups or whatever. But, yeah, no, if Saffold isn't playing, Luan got worked. Uh, the last couple of weeks against, you know, some of the better pass rushers in the NFL. And I'm not saying we have anyone in the caliber of Chandler Jones, but like Luan looked pretty damn awful. And I think that, you know, JFM's no slouch. Bryce Huff, you know, beat one of the better tackles last week for a sack in Garrett Bowles. Um, Quinn, Quinnen's always going to be a force no matter where you line him up uh, inside out. And, and, and Sheldon looked like a man on a mission. So, I don't know, man. Uh, if Saffold isn't playing, it just kind of solidifies what what I think will be a, a good game for the defensive line. But I just don't see any scenario where Derrick Henry doesn't run for upwards of 100 yards, if not more. And, and and that's, they, you know, I mean, as, as a team, they're averaging 4.8 yards per rush. Which is insane. Yeah, which is pretty wild. So... Yeah, as a team, I see 159 yards rushing per game. So I think that's going to be their bread and butter. I think they're going to run the ball, run again, and then run some more. Um, yeah, I mean, we could jump into favorable matchups uh, for for the Jets. I think it's going to be that that interior D line, like we always say. Yeah, no, I I think the interior D line is is going to be it. But I think I want to extend again. I kind of just I guess I said it already, but. I, I would extend that out to the, the the outside of the offensive line, the the, the outside linebackers and, and the ends, only because I just think that you know obviously I, we talked in pre-production about like uh, what is it uh, Kessenberry or something like that and and, and Luan, but, yeah. So, yeah, uh, I mean that doesn't, well. doesn't scare me. Yeah, 
But and if they're and to be quite honest with you, the way the, what we've been seeing from the Jets D line, first of all, Albrecht's doing a hell of a job. He yeah. really is. He's doing a hell of a job between you know the secondary playing well above expected, but also the defensive line and scheming up stunts. It's not always just you know beat your man one on one. It's hey, we're gonna you know have the the, the DN come through the A gap or have you know an out uh, you know middle linebacker come through the A gap, whatever. But yeah, they have, they have been blitzing more on the on third downs and second and longs, and when, like the longer down and distances, they have been blitzing more. So right. I think you're going to be able to blitz more because I, if Julio and AJ don't play, you, you're going to have to. You, they become a one dimensional offense pretty much because, like you just said, you don't we don't try we don't fear Tannehill that much, but I fear the hell out of Derrick Henry. And if the Titans become that one dimensional offense, I don't see how they're really uh, – I mean, I don't think we're going to get absolutely destroyed anyway, but I don't see how they're really going to score that many points unless Derrick Henry goes for, what, 280 like he did last year in Jack, like against Jacksonville. So it's like I, I don't see any feasible way that they can, you know, really dominate us if they're missing those guys, especially with the way our defensive line has played almost all season. That's true. That's true. And if the, both of those guys are out, not only do I think the Jets have an advantage with the D-line and the O-line, I would probably say the corners and the receivers too. That's that's just how well that Brandon Eccles and Bryce Hall have played. And Michael Carter, the second. <laughs> they've all been playing. They've been playing significantly above what we all anticipated they were. And I don't know, man. I, I don't know any of the wide receivers out, you know, outside of the two that are listed as questionable. And honestly, I, I, it's uh so their so their backup receivers are Josh Reynolds and uh, Chester Rogers. So those so that's their so like who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's uh, I, I, Chester, I don't mean that as like oh you know like they're no terrible. no no, I know, I'm so telling you Chester Rogers is is the is the slot. Josh Reynolds is is the second string, and then they have Nick Westbrook. Uh, yeah, you're right. I think that the Jets have have the advantage. Which is crazy to say because yeah. all offseason we were hammering home, hey, we got to address this cornerback position. We got to bring in a veteran. The same way we were saying about the quarterbacks and bringing in a veteran quarterback, same way you got to bring in, you know, a veteran cornerback. And we never did. And if you would have told me preseason that our best group of players on our team, on our team, is our, probably our cornerbacks, I would have called you a liar. And, yeah. and, and it's, it's as simple as that. And honestly, I'm happy to be able to say that because – uh, as Jets fans, it sucks to say, but we always look forward to the draft right after the draft. Because yeah. we know we don't have anything to look forward to. But if you could tell me that, hey, our corners got that full year. They're all young, right? Bryce Hall is what, this third year or second year? Second. It's his second year. Eccles first year. Michael Carter first year. So if you told me there, and to your point earlier, you said like you wouldn't be as mad if some of the young guys were getting experience. But I think the only group of young guys getting experience is the cornerbacks, right? Yeah, just – and I said – and the younger D linemen. Yeah. So, yeah, and I mean, you know, and most of those guys are, are 25 or younger. So, yeah, that, so those are the only two groups getting better. Yeah. I feel. No, I, I, I agree. What um, do you think? I mean, obviously, if we do, run, we do, if we do running backs versus linebackers, we already know what that's going to say. Uh, one, one gripe that I do have, and, I, and, I, and I'll be honest, that I totally don't understand PFF grades. How is CJ Mosley only rated at 47? A forty-seven PFF is it? Is it missed tackles? Is it positioning? 
I'm not sure because uh, to to be honest, he because this this D line is now in in an in a in attack mode. CJ Mosley has a lot to fill. He has a lot more responsibilities in terms of uh, picking up and filling run run alley. So I, I really don't know how he's he's only graded out of the 47 because I thought that he's I thought that he's looked great. Yeah, no, his lateral quickness is better than it's ever been in his career. Yeah, he's uh, he's legit sideline to sideline. Yeah, and he's 31 years old and he didn't play last year. And he looks like he didn't he didn't drop, you know, a second off his 40 time. So I, I don't know how they do it. Sometimes I just think they make it up out of their ass because it's just like I understand that they probably look through every play and they grade every play. Like, is he where he's supposed to be? But there are numerous amount of plays where CJ's like not even in the play, so to speak, where he doesn't have any bearing on the play. Like, are they grading whether he should have been there? You know what I mean? Like if there's a tackle for loss, you know, on a, on a pitch play to the outside and CJ didn't make the tackle, right? Are they grading that as, oh, it's a bad play for him because he wasn't there because he should have closed on the play faster. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like I, I are they grading on a what if scale or like what he should be doing? And they also don't know what his, uh, what his assignment was on a play to play basis. So th- that's why I was just curious. And maybe, maybe I thought that you had some insight into that too. All right, let's switch over to the offense. <laughs> what offense? <laughs> exactly. Uh, do you see any? Do you, are there any favorable matchups, if any, uh, with this offense that you could think no. of? No. no. So you're not gonna. I know, I know that you said that you're not gonna pick the receivers ever again <laughs> this season. You don't think that um, a receiving core of Keelan Cole, Corey Davis, and Jameson Crowder could do some damage against Janoris Jenkins, Dane Krukshank. Kevin Byard and Christian Fulton. Kevin Byard is going to probably have two picks this game. So Kevin, Kevin Byard is a beast. He is a ball hawk. He is always around the ball. He catches tip tip balls, which is clearly our specialty when it comes to you know Braxton Barrios catching a ball that hits him in the hands and it's still going straight up. Kevin Byard will be there. Yep, and he, he has probably a, get two picks. He has an interception and he has three pass deflections. Yeah, so he'll be there. Uh, do I think the wide receivers can find success? Yes. Would I call it a favorable matchup? No. I think last week the wide receivers found some success. Keelan Cole had, what, two receptions, I think, for like 35 yards, something to that effect. Found the gaps in the defense. I mean, yeah, to be honest, and, and I get what you I see what you're trying to do, and I like it, but I will not allow you to say that they found some success in those. <laughs> and oh, they sorry. put up can zero. I, can I amend my statement and say they found yeah. success in the last minute and a half when sure. they were like, sure. when they were going like, you know, off coverage? For sure, I'll accept that. They cannot beat press. They cannot beat press. And it's it's embarrassing because Corey Davis is six, what, six two? Six two and a half? Six three. Almost six three. Yeah, six three. How can listen, you not? You're, listen, you're, if Corey Davis can't beat an over the hill, and I mean that, you know, with with no disrespect, with all due respect, Janoris Jenkins is not what he used to be. Janoris Jenkins is well, is turning 33 soon. And he's not, is not Rams, Janoris Jenkins. No, no, no. He's he, he's not at all. The, I think that if you stay away from Bayard, there could be some opportunities. You just got to pay attention where Bayard is. Yeah. I mean, you remember that play? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. One, one no, 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 remember no, that no, play no. in preseason where everyone made a big deal out of it because Zach Wilson looked off the free safety? Yes. Okay. That's what you got to do with Kevin Bayard. Now, he's a veteran, and he might not fall for it. And, and who knows? You might not have that time in the pocket. But if you do, you got to look it off. You got to look them off because most safeties, it's not really falling for it. It's just 
that's just what they're taught to do. They, they follow the quarterback's eyes. I mean, they're super, yeah, super instinctive. Uh, listen, 90% of NFL free safeties are highly instinctive and intuitive on the field. That's why they're starting. Like yeah. how, how many, like if, a, if you're, if your starting safety doesn't have good instincts, you're in trouble. You look at Tyron Matthew, you look at McCourty, you think McCourty physically is still what he used to be? No, but he knows almost what 50%, at least at minimum 80% of the time where the ball is going to go. So I think that, yeah, the Zach is going to have to do a, a tremendous job. A lot of look off on the safety. Look off. The corners don't scare me. Let me ask you this. Kenny Yaboa was protected off waivers this week. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that that he is going to get into the game and actually make a difference? No. I think he'll get into the game, but I think what they'll do is they're probably going to go like a shotgun with Yaboa in the backfield and uh, and one of the running backs in the backfield and, and maybe have him chip, maybe have him you know, go into the flat, just give Zach an option. Like that, if that was, if that, if it was me, like I know Wesco is kind of like that, what, what are they called? The H back role type thing. Yeah. He's the hybrid. Like they're trying to, they're trying to push that. I just think he's a little sluggish and he's more of a blocker anyway. Yeah. But we haven't like, really even seen that, that look. And, and you, and to be honest, I, I'll be, yeah, I see, I see what you mean. And it would be a good one, but to me, Yeboa doesn't block enough. So I think that if he's coming in, he's coming in straight to, Maybe just right over the middle. Yeah, maybe or just give them a different look. You know, may, maybe add some add some speed so he can put some pressure on the middle of the, uh, of the field. So I I, I, I could see on the outside. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would, I don't know, I would flex him out a little bit. I think that you you just need somebody that's going to be able to um, attack the defense a little bit uh, the in, in the, the middle field. of the field. Yeah, the seams yeah. because Tyler, to be honest, Tyler Croft hasn't done much. I think um, Croft caught some tough balls, though, for being honest. Like the he had, he had a dive and catch last week, but you know, yeah. I mean, that, that's that's not saying much. But me, I don't know. I think that you could possibly scheme your bow open. Maybe I would. He's probably the only tight end I'd be comfortable throwing a tight end screen to. Maybe you could flex him out, get him out against a, a corner or a D back on on a quick screen. I think they're probably going to throw some more bubble screens. They're they're going to have to do something, man. Oh my god! They're going to have. I'm envisioning a third down screen that, you know, Bayard just cuts through the defense, picks it off pick six. No, no, no. I don't see anything like that. I could see, I could see a screen on, on third and 12 and and they throw it out there and and somebody misses a block and they, they tackle him right away. I could see that. Um, I don't know. They, they, unfortunately, LaFleur has the knack for calling plays before establishing the run or establishing certain aspects of the game that he should be. And that's just, I don't know. It's, I I hope that I just hope that he does something this week offensively. Just something. Give me hope. So I have, I have a couple of people that I think that the jets have to be mindful of in order to have some success offensively, but I want to hear who you think the number one threat. um, Well, you've already said Bayard, but who uh, in that front seven, who do you think is, is the most crucial that the jets block? I think we, we would both agree it's going to be Jeffrey Simmons. I mean, 100%. we already said Bud Dupree is, is questionable. And, and honestly, I don't think Bud Dupree is, is what he, he – I mean, he's not – he's coming off an Achilles tear, I believe. No, he's coming off an ACL. ACL, I'm sorry. Yeah. So, 
you know, I, I get them confused sometimes, but I mean, yeah. nonetheless, they're, they're season long injuries and it, it takes a little bit to get feel comfortable again. And we're seeing that, you know, with the giants and Saquon Barkley, it's like tough to make cuts, especially at a position like outside linebacker where you're coming off the edge and you have to, you know, turn the corner and stuff like that. So it normally it would probably be Bud Dupree, but Jeffrey Simmons is just an absolute monster. I think he only has a sack and a half on the year. I mean, it's only three games, but you know, I mean, anywhere they line him up, the same way you got a key on Bayard, you have to know where Jeffrey Simmons is because odds are one blocker is not going to be enough. We saw it last week with Von Miller. You always have to know where he is. You got to know where Jeffrey Simmons is. Now, is he going to be standing up on the outside? Absolutely not. He's going to have his hand in the dirt. You're going to be able to know where he is, but it's going to be like, okay, you know, your, your tackle is getting driven back five yards, 10 yards into the backfield. What are you going to do about that? And Jeffrey Simmons, I mean, I, he came out, I believe, Mississippi State. From yes. Us, yes. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they drafted him. Yeah. And remember, he's torn ACL. Exactly. And everybody said, um, What are you doing? He, what are you doing? But he yeah, wasn't a top 10 but, pick. But the smart people did say he was a top 15 pick. He would have been a top 10 pick. And people said that he's probably going to be one of the best players in this draft once he's healthy. And here and we are. Here we are. Um, my big worry, I was, I agree with you, Jeffrey Simmons. Um, because he plays five technique on early downs and he's going to kick inside over the weakest part of this offensive line, which is the interior. So Connor McGovern, Connor McGovern and AVT are going to have to get on the same page. Um, <laughs> um, matter of fact, we will, we will get into this after this, but um, they're going to have to get onto the same page because they, they've just been, they, they just can't continue to allow free rushers in the a gaps. Now, what do you think about Connor McGovern? I don't think, to be honest, I think Connor McGovern's going to be out of here this year. Number one, his performance has not been up to par. And now he's just throwing people under the bus. I knew his 85 point whatever grade last week was too good to be true. Like I knew, I think we all knew last year, like down the stretch when, when he started progressively getting better, I think we all knew that it was kind of too good to be true it just sucks because the jets have a history or at least you know a recent history i would say of having a good center like we we went from what mangled in what six and who was mawai was before him i was before that and so since like then we, we it's been what? yeah since then it's been spencer what spencer larson it's spencer been josh long. andrews spencer long sorry josh andrews and now Connor and McGovern. yeah so i think and that yeah. History of successful center play. We had a history of what 15 years of straight A plus center play. And the, and I don't think that we can discount the importance of a center. Like a veteran center makes reads for quarterbacks that especially rookie quarterbacks might not see. Yeah. And ask Mark, ask Mark Sanchez. Ask Mark Sanchez how important a good center is. Yeah, because I can I can count on my uh, I don't have enough, you know. Body parts, I guess I could say. How many times I saw Nick Mangold walk up to the offensive, uh, up to the ball, touch the ball, grab the ball, and all you saw was his hand pointing across, identifying the mic, identifying corners coming off, uh, you know, corner blitzes and so on and so forth. I'm sorry, but McGovern, you're not cutting it. You have to – it sucks because we could have did it this year. But, again, we did well in the back end with the, the young corners we got, so we can't really complain too much. But – you should have addressed the the offense, the interior a little bit more. And McGovern, you're, we're seeing it now that last year that back end was too good to be true with the playing as a top twenty center or whatever, or top fifteen center. And now we're seeing it this year, and it's it's tough because I think that we, you and me both, and, and TK when, when he's on here we, would attest to this that we've been calling for this for years. 
We yeah. knew this was going to be a problem. And, and you brought a young quarterback in with no veteran and you're just kind of leaving them out there, out there to dry. And you're just seeing the mis- the constant miscommunications. Like obviously AVT is a rookie, but Connor McGovern has been around. This is his third year, I think with us. And he's been in the league for, for plenty of time. No, it's his second yeah. year. Last year uh, was his first year. Yep. Right. So yeah, no, no, it's over. But you, you gotta, you're the veteran in the room. You have to be able to go out there and identify the, the, the blitzer, the mic, whatever, and help Slide you. Yeah. 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 Like simple stuff. Yeah. That they call in the huddle too. Like they, a lot of times they'll say, like, oh, if you see this, slide right. You see this, slide left. They have, built, they have built in protections for what they see pre-snap. So mm-hmm. I don't so I don't even know what, what the issue is. And first of all, listen, the inside gap integrity trumps all. So I don't even know how guys are coming in untouched in the A gap. Like that, that should never be. And I know that Carolina was doing some exotic stuff pre-snap, but last week they weren't doing anything crazy. And the Patriots did really didn't do anything crazy either. They they just dropped back into a zone. Um, yeah, so that was so that was a little Connor McGovern rant for me. Um, I think another I think another matchup that we have to pay attention to and that who the Jets are probably keying on Harold Landry, speed rusher. He's going to play outside. Him versus the offensive tackles. Now Morgan Moses, he struggles with the speed rush. I mean that that's just you know he's that, that's just who he is. He's going to give you really good run blocking and he's going to struggle with speed rushers off the edge. The Jets have got to chip better. And that, that's just the running back to the hole. And I know that we're not huge fans of Tevin Coleman. Ty Johnson can't be out there on third down. He, he just simply can't. And the Jets are going to have to do a much better job of keeping that in check. Um, I'll be real with you. Bud Dupree doesn't really scare me, just like you said. He's coming off an injury, and I thought that they overpaid drastically. million. Dollars. Yeah. Yeah, and I know I know that I know that eighty two total value it really he probably will never see that eighty two, but sixteen sixteen million dollars is a lot for somebody that really that doesn't have a sack yet and really probably isn't much of a difference maker. I think that I, I think he's he's going to see well he start he's beginning to see that life without T J Watt on the other side is not as fun. So uh, are there any other matchups? We said Byard, we said Simmons, obviously those two number one and two, and and Landry. Are there any other matchups that unfavorable matchups that, that you're worried about or that you don't like? Why do why does the middle linebacker escape me? The middle linebacker. Um out of Alabama. No, no, no. So it's Jayon Brown and Rashawn Evans. Oh, uh, Evans. Evans is out of Alabama, isn't he? I believe so. Yeah. 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 yeah I don't wouldn't necessarily say he scares me, but he's okay. a thumper. And if you're not keeping gap integrity, Mike Vrabel uh, – is it Mike Vrabel? Is that his name? Yes, Vrabel. Uh, I was like, wait a second, Paul Vrabel, because he's a lacrosse player. Yeah. Mike Vrabel. Yeah. Uh, he's probably – he's going to send he's gonna send him right through the A-gap, and he's going to come in clean, and he's a thumper. And he's the type of guy that's going to hit your damn quarterback and probably land on his ribs and hurt him. And if I'm the Jets, outside of Simmons coming you know, all, you know, off the end, you have to – identify where Evans is and he's going to be right in the middle, middle of the defense anyway, but you got to make sure you keep that integrity of the a gap because he's Vrabel is going to send him. Yeah. Well, listen, Simmons Simmons rush basically is an interior rusher too. Yeah. No, I I think they had him playing playing the a gap, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. he'll slide down into in passing situations and play and play the three technique or the, or the two eye and stuff like that. And also the backup, uh, Ola Odeyeni, he has two and a half sacks. I believe he leads the team in sacks. So uh, Bud Dupree, even if he doesn't play, 
Adeyemi is probably going to be the um, be another guy that we have to worry about as well too. Yeah, he leads them in sacks. I just so. I wouldn't be shocked if 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 Frable moves Simmons back into like what a three tech. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, yeah, yeah, with the odd front and then Evans right behind them. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to play those pre-snap games. They're they're probably because you got to remember most of the time when these like that's their base defense. He's the five technique, so he's going to kick inside, and he would probably. And what I would do, I would line him up right over Greg Randroli. Yeah, that because he play he plays the left defensive end spot. He's gonna he's gonna line up right over Greg Van Roten, and that's not a matchup that I like at all. And how, and, do, how do you up? How do you continue to like? How do you continue to run Greg Van Roten out there? Who what? Who else? Who else are you going to put out there? Just, just anyone. Eeny? Just a body. No, 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 just, just someone. Anyone. Just I don't care. The water boy. It doesn't doesn't matter. Pop a fan out of the stands. I don't care. But like, try something. Change something. But my yeah, no, listen, and I'm with you. But my whole thing is like, who? Like, I don't even know the guards or, or the offensive linemen on the practice squad that you can call up. Do you think uh, another question for you? Do you think that they're going to have to make a trade for a guard? I don't think that they will. I think I the 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 crappy part is is that I think a couple of weeks ago we were saying what would it cost to get like an Andre Dillard and see if he can kick in. To, yeah, to but yeah, but, he's, but they have they have too many injuries now. Well, they probably, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's probably what I'm saying. That's what I'm getting at is that now they have too many injuries. There's no what options are there out there? You're not Brooks, trade for- Brooks is out and Samolo. Probably yeah, the starting name. guards are out, so yeah. their, their hands are forced. So who can you bring in? There is no one. Like like we we talked about this earlier in the day. Is like they didn't get Thuni and they didn't get obviously Sheriff was was tagged, and like obviously you know Thuni went to a, a contender, so it was kind of obvious choice. Yeah, for him. yeah that, that was a what. And, and listen, listen, I, I'm I'm hard on Joe Douglas because I just see like like you just have to. You know, you have to fill needs as, as you know, as efficiently as you can. But as he has, like, he's he's striking out, and it's not for a lack of effort. He tried to get Jack Conklin in here. He tried to get Thune. He was going to go after Scherf. Like, he's he's put, like, listen, there's two first, there's two first, uh, first rounders on this team, on this offensive line. When was the last time they've been two first rounders on this, on this offensive line that were drafted by the team? Brick and Mango. Oh, so. Yeah, brick and mangled. So, so we can't really, we can't fault him. We can't fault him for that. But listen, man, he he has to. I, I don't know what he's going to be able to do because honestly, he's going to be in the same situation this year. Wyatt Teller is not going to leave Cleveland and come here unless you give him a hundred million dollars. And you can't give you can't give everybody hundred million dollar contracts. You can't pay everybody five million more or ten million more above market value just to come in here because you have to maintain the, the salary cap. If Zach shows promise late as the season goes on, you can do that. You can because you're paying Zach rookie wages. Absolutely, yeah, you're right. So, so the, the 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 idea is is that you can afford to do that, and you structure the contract in a way where you have an out after the fourth year, right? Because Zach would be up for a contract, assuming that he gets to a second contract. You structure it in that way where you could afford to do that, and. You do do that because you saw enough promise from Zach to know that, hey, I got to protect the the face of the franchise. But then that gives you a four-year window to keep drafting offensive linemen so that when that four years is up, you have someone ready to, to plug and play. And and that's that's how good teams are built. No, no, that's true. To be I to be honest, I, I don't know if Zach is gonna make it behind this off. And I and I'm not and I'm not trying to 
you know, feed. I know that the media, everybody's jumping on the Jets line. I, but I truly, truly don't believe that Zach is going to be able to survive with Greg Van Roten as his starting right guard. So that, that's what I'm trying to think. But no team is going to give away young starting caliber offensive linemen. Because if you're a contender, you're not doing it. Because you know who I was thinking about? I saw it today on Twitter. John Runyon. And he's the backup. Once uh, Bakhtiari and, um, man, the starting guard. Don't even, give, don't right even get me started. Elgin Jenkins. Elgin Jenkins, yes. yes. Don't so get me started on him. I know, I know, I know. I wanted him too, bro. They, they but, let Lindsley go. I know. And they've replaced – they did exactly what I just outlined the Jets have to do. They did exactly that. They just replaced them with – a top five graded. Listen, I'm not, I'm not, bring, I'm not bringing it up. And I know yeah, that we, yeah. listen, we love, we loved ABT. And we actually, we loved ABT as a tackle, but we loved him even more as a guard. We thought that he would be a damn near all pro as a guard, which he very well could probably still be. This is his first NFL action. But to give up those third round picks, you could have had, listen, you could have had yourself a center and a guard. Now, granted, they would have been rookies, but at least you couldn't have been able to grow with them. And I like Elijah Moore. I like what he did. But listen, to surrender those picks, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Because when you look back at it now, and obviously you, we can't play the what-if game, even though I, I love to play the what-if. Even sometimes. though we're going to play the what-if game at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just to, just to, keep, it, just to keep it interesting. But if you do play the what-if game, you could get Zach. You can get a tackle at 23. You could still pick Elijah Moore. And then you could get two interior linemen in the third round. Or, or maybe, maybe you don't get, you don't get the receiver. You draft, you know, you get, uh, you get uh, Tevin Jenkins or Christian Darish or any guy that you liked at tackle. Hold on, hold on. And then at, and then at, uh, and then at 30, what was that? 34? At 34, you get Creed Humphrey. Now we're cooking. And then McGovern, McGovern moves over to right guard, like you always say. And then we can get GVR the hell up out of here. What did I say all off season? What did I say pre-draft? What did I say? I said, you, you're going to take Zach, right? You're going to take the quarterback. Absolutely. Well, I said, you take the best available offensive lineman at 23. And then what happened this draft? Specifically this draft, what happened? At 34, who was there? Who was there? Te- Tevin, Tevin Jenkins. Jenkins. Let's all agreed. Was an absolute monster. Do you remember how mad I got? And you guys were like, yo, you have to calm down. And I said, listen, you cannot march. You cannot march um, the right side of this line back out there. And, and I said it, listen, I, and this is not in the people listening out there. I, I like Elijah Moore, you know, I'm a little hard on him, but I think that he's really, I think he's going to be dynamic. He runs great routes and all the other stuff, but listen, Tevin Jenkins and granted, you know, he had back surgery, but that, you know, a lot of things change when, when you come over here. Or even you could have took Christian Darashaw. At, at you could have traded up for Rashawn Slater. So I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. You know what? Then now, now we're talking. Now we're talking. I hate, I hate this game. <laughs> I do. I hate, I hate it. this I game hate too. It. All right, man. We're not going to play it anymore. Predictions. Let's close it out. Predictions. What you got? Do I think we score more points than last week? Absolutely. Do I think we score a lot more points than last week? Absolutely not. 28 3. Oof. Okay. I think. Uh, you know, that... 28 10. I'll be generous and give them a touchdown. Okay. Okay. Um, I think that they're going to be able I – th- I think the Titans are overlooking the Jets. Um, they're resting guys. That, home, right? me, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, hold on, hold on. Let, let me check that. Because I, I think we go to London next week, don't we? Yep. Yep, yep. Let's see. But, yeah, yeah you look that up while I um, – I, I got you. 
All right. That's I think that it's home. Okay. So the Jets are going to be home. The Titans are overlooking them. Uh, the offense can't be any worse. I'm going to say 27-13 Titans, only because I think that I think they're going to have a lot of three and outs, the offense, and I think the defense is going to get tired. And the last thing that you can do against Derrick Henry is get tired. I think that it could have the potential to get incredibly ugly in the second half if the offense don't put up any points. So I'm going 27-13. Titans go to 3-1. They stay in first place, and the Jets fall into further purgatory at 0-3. So that's how I'm feeling. Give me the bright side because it's dark. On the bright side. This isn't really a bright side. The rest of the division sucks, except for the Bills. So that's true. Because I, I, I truly about to get smacked by the Bucks, and Tua's the Dolphins out. are missing Tua. I mean, that's not saying much because I don't think Tua is a good quarterback anyway. But yeah, but Brissett, Brissett doesn't look as good as I thought he was going to be. Because I thought he I thought was going to be able to be. Holtz was going to be. Me too. Yeah, yeah, he looks. He does. He doesn't look good. I was happy when he got traded to uh, the Colts. Yeah. Yeah. So. so. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. So those are our predictions, guys. Thanks again for rocking with us. Uh, we appreciate all the support that we've been getting. We appreciate all the likes on the Facebook page. We appreciate all the listens. And listen, man, if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you know, rate it. Give us a review. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you dislike. We, you know, we want to get better and uh, and provide some great just content for you guys. So on behalf of Matt, this is Amari. This has been the Flight Deck Podcast, episode 40. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace.